I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Chuck. Hi, I'm Ricky Lake. I'm Dr. Aaron Eugwin McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm James Goodlatte. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. We are just over 60 episodes. We're cruising here in the podcast landscape. My guest today is Davey Ward Erickson, who is the host of Sex's Medicine Radio. Uh, she also has an entire program to learn how to heal your body, mind, and your sexual experience holistically through her Institute of Authentic Tantra Education. You can find her at AuthenticTantra.com or Davey Ward Tantra. That's D-E-V-E-D-E-V-I WardTantra.com. She's got a wide range of resources, um, including a book. Her book is titled The Four Forms of Pleasure. And what we talk about in this episode is pleasure as medicine. And her story is wild. She goes from being a stripper to a house cleaner and then becoming a nun and, uh, or a monk, I'm sorry. And, and then embarking on this, this authentic Tantra journey, Tantric journey, and she never looks back. And so you'll hear her healing story and you'll hear me ask questions that probably sound very simple to a lot of people who have explored Tantra. It's something I've been interested in for, for a long time. So I'm super stoked to have her on the show and to dig into some of this a little bit. My two sponsors of this episode are Full Well Fertility, started by Ayla Barmer. She's a master's of science and registered dietitian. She has formulated this herself, which makes a big difference. When you have a prenatal vitamin that is formulated by a registered dietitian, a healthcare professional, and then the entire operation, the entire manufacturing process is overseen by her and her team in order to keep quality at, its, at the top priority you get a very, very different product from what you're finding on the shelves. So my issue with prenatal vitamins for years has been you go to the store and there's all these red dyes, there's all these artificial ingredients, there's all the sugar that's added. And we obviously don't need that. We need more nutrition, right? So fortunately, Ayla at Full Well Fertility has created the best prenatal vitamin on the market. And that's why it's been consistently ranked in the top prenatal vitamin. She's been published in Very Well Family, Healthline, Prevention, and other publications and uh, it's all because you've got a healthcare professional who's overseeing the formulation and then the production of a product. And so she does it quite well. It's, I'm super happy to be supporting and to be supported by Fullwell. And if you want to try out their prenatal vitamins, I wouldn't have them as a sponsor if I didn't fully believe in this. So go to fullwellfertility.com. They've given me a special code for listeners, Beloved10. You'll save 10% on any of their products. They've got product for male virility issues as well. Um, and for um, balancing out, calming down the nervous system. So check out all their stuff at fullwellfertility.com. Use code BELOVED10. Save yourself some money. Support Ayla. Support our show. It really helps to have sponsors like her. And our other sponsor is Fit for Birth, James Goodlatte, who's been on the show. He has put together an incredible online opportunity for people. If you're, Whether you're a pregnant woman or a woman in any stage of life, postpartum, menopausal, whatever, you can find women-specific exercise and lifestyle nutrition coaching at getfitforbirth.com. 
If you go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved, you'll, you can sign up for any of their programs for 20% off. And it's not just for women looking to, to be linked up with coaches. They also have online courses to help healthcare professionals, lifestyle coaches, holistic life coaches, lifestyle coaches, check practitioners, whatever, anybody out there who's working and advising on, on exercise, nutrition, or any other lifestyle factor, you can go here and shore up your education in order to have a slightly better idea as to how to cater these programs to the specific needs of women given their specific circumstances. And I can't be more grateful to have Fit for Birth as a sponsor on the show. So if you want to try out, try this out, I don't, it speaks for itself. You go to the beautiful website and you're going to see that there is quite a bit of homework that's been done here. And if you don't think that there's a difference between training men and training women, then you're being foolish because if a, a, you know, if your client has an endocrine system that causes a regular bleed 13 times per year, then there's going to be obvious differences in how you cater to their needs during their bleed versus during ovulation, for example. That's just one small snippet of how you, even if you think you know everything about everything, you still don't. In fact, the person who knows everything in the room is probably the one who knows the least because they haven't been curious. So if you're curious, go to get fit for birth, all spelled out, no numbers, getfitforbirth.com slash beloved, and you can find any of their programs there for 20% off. Thank you, James, for continuing to support the show. Thank you, Ayla. I really, really appreciate you guys. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be reading these ads if I didn't believe in these two products. So support them. It supports us. Win, win, win around the board. All right. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Davey Ward Erickson of the Institute of Authentic Tantra Healing. traits and um because this is going to be a hard one for me can you lead us first in like a really deep grounding breath whatever your breath practice is yeah i would love that so my breath practice is um it's it's pretty pretty still and pretty quiet and so uh, i'll invite us to just sit with our spine straight and with your head tilted with your chin chin tilted slightly downward tongue on the roof of your mouth hands in your lap and you can have your eyes open in a soft gaze like i do or feel free to close your eyes And I'm going to invite you to just turn your attention to your breath. And as you inhale, I'm going to invite you to bring your awareness all the way into your belly so that you can feel your belly expand with your inhalation. And with your exhalation, I'm going to invite you to make a sound. Ah. And we'll do another one, inhaling all the way into your belly. As you exhale through the mouth, and one more inhaling all the way into your belly and exhaling with a good and inviting you to open your eyes and bringing your attention back and that ha sound is a dispelling breath or dispelling mantra. It helps uh, dispel toxic energy and toxic air from the belly. Feels better already. <laughs> Just takes a couple <laughs> deep breaths. It's something we're all lacking in our world. Debbie, thank you for coming to the show. I really appreciate having you here. You're, you're a teacher of Tantra and something I've been really curious about for years now. And, uh, you know, guilt, you know, the, the, the sort of admonition I can make or the, the uh, whatever, the acknowledgement I, that I have for you is that for 
most of my life, I saw this as a sexual practice. And then I started digging into your work and yes, there's a sexual component and perhaps even downstream, you know, in, intensified sexual energy, sexual experience, et cetera. And that's also dependent on how you define sex. Mm-hmm. But then working up to that, there's all these other corollaries and, and you practice mm-hmm. what you, what you would define as traditional Tantra. So let's start there. What is Tantra for somebody who has no clue? Yeah. So the way I love to describe Tantra is it's a spiritual science that was developed in Northern India uh, several thousand years ago. And it, through the ages and through the millennia, there have uh, developed many different lineages, many different traditions, many different styles of what I call, what I refer to as Tantra yoga practice. And so I am trained specifically in Tibetan Buddhist Tantra. I was introduced to Tantra with the Tibetan Five Element Teachings. I learned the non-sexual application and the sexual application of these practices. And then from there, I graduated to higher what are called Vajrayana Tantra Yoga practices. And so when we're working with lineage-based or what I say authentic Tantra, there is going to be a non-sexual application that the student is introduced to first to begin developing your capacity and your resilience and your ability to practice Mm. that is then introduced to your sexual yoga practice as well. So in the West, the way Tantra was introduced to the West was with a a, a hyper-focus and an emphasis on the sexuality because of the Western culture and the Western mind. But traditionally, those sexual practices come later once the student or the practitioner has developed the capacity to effectively work with sexual energy. So a lot of what we see in the West is what I call it's the bas- bastardized or watered down <laughs> of traditional Tantra. Yeah. Traditional Tantra is, it's a science and it's, it's like, you know, I've been studying and practicing for 13 years and I've still just barely scratched the surface. Yeah. You know, the only experience I've had with Tantra, I will say was sexual, but I think it's also important to keep in mind that like the flow of energy and information is sexual. Like we're not just talking about, you know the things people typically think about, the sort of pornographic images that come to mind. Of course, a lot of these things can be applied to actual you know, sexual intercourse and everything else. But when I, I had a massage once from a friend who lives nearby, and he's done extensive work within Tantra, and he gave me a massage. We, we smoked a little bit of cannabis. We kind of, we pulled some archetype cards. We really got in the space. And then he, he was massaging me for like three hours and it was like in a very unusual style, but there was a flow of energy and information here that felt like an unlocking process whereby there was, I was giving him, he was giving me, you know, we were, there was this flow. And I asked him about it later when we were in like a sauna, like a couple of weeks afterwards. And he was like, yeah, I mean, this is what I've been working on this, this tantric practice. And he has a history of a lot of trauma. And he was like, this was my gateway to unlocking that and un, and un, and un, sort of allowing or permitting that energy to release. And in his work, he's actually getting as much from the massage as the person getting the massage, which is why sometimes people go and they're like, he's massaging them for five hours. It's this sort of undefined period of time in order to let the magic work. So, you know, if just hearing that story, can you talk a little bit about this flow of energy and information? Like, what is that about? What was I experiencing? Yeah. So, so. Tantra works with the energy body. 
Yeah. Specifically. And so, you know, in, in the Western culture, it's like, oh, we're physical bodies and that's all there is, right? According to Western science, it's very mechanical bits and pieces. But again, Eastern science, I mean, we're talking, you know, tens of thousands of years old in some cases, understands that the energy body is supreme or superior to the physical body, but mm. they are also inseparable. So it's like literally like I'm holding up my hand, like you can't separate the palm of your hand from the back of your right. hand. It's right. one thing, right? right? So the energy body and the physical body are one thing. It's just Western society teaches us to compartmentalize these things. <laughs> Thanks, Renee Descartes, for making us just look like a, a meat suit with organs, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. That's all there is. I find that so perplexing. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, where did this intelligence that animates life come from? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you exactly. know, like, how did that occur? Exactly. So it sounds like with your friends, so I do, do want to say that, like, that's another misnomer, tantric massage. I have yet to read a text. And again, I'm not a tantric scholar. So just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But in all my understanding and study of traditional tantra practice, full body massage is not part of that. Mm, <laughs> so, okay. so that doesn't mean that you can't, you can't apply your tantra to a massage practice. So that's one of the things that we teach in our school. We teach a, uh, an energy body um, healing practice. We call, you know, it's like a kind of like a blend of the five elements in Reiki doing this energy body work because I'm trained in Reiki as well. Um, so working with the, the energy body through, you know, kind of a Reiki kind of orientation, but incorporating the five element teachings. So that is a way of implementing and applying, uh, you know, your, your lineage based tantra right, to right. a physical massage practice. And I also like to make a distinction that Tantra massage is neo-Tantra. There's not, there's nothing in traditional Tantra that was like Tantra massage. So ah, okay. whatever people okay. have created around Tantra massage is something that they created. That doesn't mean that it's not a wonderful, beautiful practice, but it's yeah. not, it's not part of the traditional Tantric teachings as far, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Uh, I will say though that pleasuring the genitals, yoni and lingam massage, they don't say so. Yoni means vagina, mm -hmm. lingam means penis. They don't say in any of the tantric texts like yoni massage, but the but they do talk about stroking the vulva, pleasuring the bliss pearl. They call it the three petaled lotus of bliss in your vajra or your lingam, and you know kissing the lingam. So they do. There are references in some of the scripture, so to speak, of these sexual acts that give validity to the fact that, yes, these, you know, yogis and yoginis were fucking each other <laughs> into enlightenment. Yeah, yes, that is a yeah. path of Tantra. Um, but yeah, just wanting to make the distinction that Tantra massage, the way it's promoted in the West, is is not a part of traditional Tantra. It is a part, gotcha. it is an emanation of Western Tantra. But it sounds like what, what you were experiencing with your friend is that your friend, I would refer to him as having shamanistic abilities, mm. being able to work with the energy body and 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 create a synchronize and train your nervous systems and train your energy body and create this medicinal dance this medicinal flow of mm. this beautiful exchange of energy that was enriching and uplifting for both of you so it sounds like through the physical massage he was engaging your energy body and he was feeding and nourishing your energy body. And his energy body was being nourished and fed as well because mutual bliss, mutual yeah. enrichment, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so that's what it sounds like to me. And, and it sounds like a really beautiful, beautiful healing practice and that your friend has, has innate and authentic healing abilities.
Yeah. And that's the thing I find about, you know, if I just may go on about, about even about Neo-Tantra is, you know, just because I, I, I badmouth Neo-Tantra because I get frustrated with it. Right. Yeah. Uh, because of, because of the, be, because we have to contend because there's a lot of ignorance and because that is something that we, we have to contend with as, as authentic lineage based practitioners. But I will say that there are that, you know, Neo-Tantra is the only thing that was available for many people in the West. And that what I've seen is that a lot of people who have, um, uh, you know, propensities for healing, propensities for ta- being an actual tantrika, because this is this is a tendency that carries through lifetimes, according to this tradition. And people who who are healers or who are shamans have been and are attracted to the neo tantric path as a way to begin cultivating and accessing their abilities. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And since we are contrasting neo tantra with tantra, you and I before we started recording, we made the comparison to the yoga at the Benden Zen or whatever down the street and the traditional practice of yoga, which probably was a far cry from what we actually think of as, you know, just elongate and strengthen, you know, it's, uh, but there's nothing that doesn't mean that this, this contemporary yoga is necessarily a bad thing. But if we want to really get down to Tantra, I think it's important for, for you to maybe talk a little bit about the five element sort of perspective of Buddhist Tantra. What are those five elements or are they sort of unnameable in some way or innumerable in some way? Like, tell me about that. Yeah. So um, the five element teachings that we are rooted in are very specific to the Shang Pekagyu lineage. So this is where the differentiation of lineage mm. really becomes important because other lineages, even in Buddhism, even in Tibetan Buddhism, may or may not work with these five element teachings in the way that the, in the way that we do. They're very, very specific to this lineage. And the first time this is our teaching of them is the first time they've been taught openly in the West. Mm. And my Lama, the person who gave these teachings to me, he was the first Westerner to ever receive the sexual application of these teachings. So they are they are new to the West and the application of them, both sexually and non-sexually, being transmitted to the masses has never been done before in this way. Wow. So the five elements in this tradition are earth, water, fire, air, and space. Oh, okay. So they are what I w- yep. was thinking, the five elements. Okay. Earth, water, fire, air, and space. And if we and if we notice, most shamanistic or indigenous, we'll say indigenous societies on this planet have teachings around the elements. The North <laughs> right. American uh, tradition has teachings on the five elements. South American traditions have teachings on the five elements. Chinese, there's a Chinese five elements, the five elements in Ayurveda, the, the Indian tradition. And then we have the Tibetan five elements, which are less well known, but are, you know, are, are part of the mix. And in this tradition, it's understood that, that everything that emanates in this, in this physical reality is an emanation uh, of the five elements, of one or more of the five elements. And we look out in the world and we can see that. Our bodies are made up of the five elements. Our environment is made out of the five elements. Hmm. This world was created for the elements to exist in harmony and balance, right? In this, right. this you know, tandem. We think of, you know, ecological balances and all the kinds of things that are being destroyed on this planet right now. It's a result of imbalancing the natural ecosystem. So the elements are meant to, to exist in this, this dance of harmony and balance. Illness is created, illness and dysfunction is created when things get out of balance, both internally and externally. So again, climate change is a perfect example of imbalance creating illness, dysfunction, and ultimately our destruction. 
right? Yeah. But again, in this tradition, inside, outside, same. So what we see outside in terms of this imbalance happening out in our physical reality is symptomatic of an imbalance in, in, in us as human beings. Obviously, we're imbalanced or we wouldn't be shitting where we eat, so to speak. We wouldn't be destroying our environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So the five element teachings are, are methods that have been honed and refined over thousands of years. So to clarify, our lineage is 1,200 years old, but the five element teachings themselves are said to be 17,000 years old. Yeah, and they are from the yeah. Banpo tradition of, of the indigenous people of Tibet. And so these teachings have been honed and refined and cultivated over thousands of years to restore balance in the human psyche, in the human being, so that we can then begin restoring balance externally as well. Yeah. And so each of the five elements relates to what are called one of the five root poisons of human emotion. The root poisons are anger, attachment, pride, jealousy, and ignorance. Hmm. And these five root poisons cause 84,000 different kinds of afflicted emotions. So what that means is like there's 22,000 different kinds of anger. There's 16,000 different kinds of jealousy. And so each, you know, there's a, a different emanations of each of these poisonous emotions. Sure. And this is very congruent with what we know about Western science, which is that we know that stress mm. creates poison in the body mm. and creates illness. Yeah. Right? We yeah. know this is a fact. Like the leading cause of heart disease is what? Stress. Yeah. And heart disease is like the number one killer, right? Mm. But what's stress? Stress is anger, attachment, pride, jealousy, and ignorance. It's the five yeah. poisons yeah. plaguing us throughout our days. And it literally creates illness in our body, mind, and spirit. So the five element teachings are literally the antidote to that. They literally begin transforming the poison at the root, at the level of consciousness itself. And as these poisonous or toxic emotions begin to purify out of our heart and our psyche and our mind and our, the, our mind or awareness, they begin to actually antidote the poison that was generated in our bodies. And we begin to become healthier, more vibrant, and more beneficial as human beings. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you, you did a beautiful job of explaining that. And, and you're right. In the Western model, right? I'm talking Western in general here. We're talking about the conventional medical model that you and I know about that I had to step away from because it was so reductive in the way that we talked about with Rene Descartes and failing to realize that there are these subtle energetic bodies at play as much, if not more so, than just this physical mineral body that we call our, our, our meat suit, you know? Yep. And in my work in birth and death, I wasn't finding what I needed within that reductive materialistic model in order to meet the needs of people going through these sacred rites of passage, which is why when you talk like this, I'm already turning the wheels like, okay, this is something that there's something important here. If I'm going to care for other people, I need to be able to care for these more subtle things that are taking place, not just how much cortisol do you have, but why is that cortisol elevated? What is energetically happening when I'm experiencing these emotions over and over and over again. Um, there's one tradition, you know, Rudolf Steiner's work with anthroposophy, there's all this controversy around Rudolf Steiner, but the guy was channeling lectures for like a decade, 6,000 distinct lectures on everything from farming to teaching to childhood development to whatever. And he was also getting message about these elements and they're roughly the same. Um, he used a different, slightly different language. I mean, given the context of being in Germany in a very reductive model of hard sciences. In fact, he presented this to all the scientists in Germany at the time, and they thought he was a total loon. 
but he was channeling from whatever uh, <laughs> he was he was pulling this information, let's say, from the ether mm-hmm. in the same way that the original practitioners of Tantra, Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, where they saw, okay, there's something more than to this than just the body. In Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. we have the meridians, we have the flow of qi, and Ayurveda, the flow of prana. And it's yeah. all a matter of re-harmonizing with your surroundings as opposed to implying something external to get a different outcome than we're getting, which is the, the Western reductive model. And sometimes that's okay, but that's a small percentage, yet we're treating everybody in the same way without considering what could we learn from a 16,000-year-old practice, you know? Yeah. And the and something that takes, you know, the totality of the human being, because that's yeah. the Western view is, like we said, it's very reductive. Right. Whereas Eastern science is like, no, you are, you are your body, your, your mind, your spirit, your sex, and you're going to reincarnate. So everything we're doing in this life, we want to ensure that we're setting <laughs> yeah. you up for, for a better yeah. life next time too. So it's not just about what happens in this lifetime. It's like setting us up for, for where we go from here. Like mm. one of the things my Lama said is that his teacher, how we got in Tibetan Buddhism is his teacher said, so what are you going to meditate upon when you die? What are you going to do when you die? Man, is that a great question? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how old were you when you discovered, not discovered, I hate that word, but uh, my wife beats me over the head with a rubber hammer every time I say it. She's like, discovered? What do you mean discovered? Like Columbus discovered the Americas, you know? When you started to embrace this practice into your life, how old were you and where were you? Like, yeah. what was the call to Tantra? Yeah. So I was 33 and I was living on Kauai, Hawaii. And I that sounds had terrible. Been a monk. Ugh, terrible Kauai. Yeah. I know it was terrible. And I was, I was, I had a, I created a house cleaning business called Sacred Space and I was teaching a sacred erotic dance. I'm a trained dancer. Wow. Uh, and uh, I started my little, I would say my little life career as a stripper in Detroit. And, uh, and then I became a monk of the Ashaya order. And so I was a monk for nine years. And so I had committed <laughs> the tender age of- <laughs> your story is amazing go on i'm sorry for interrupting i just couldn't help it. Like, stripper I, to monk to tantrika i was oh yeah well house cleaner to stripper to you know exotic dancing to uh, your story is amazing sorry for laughing i just couldn't keep it in it was just like it bubbled out sorry go ahead <laughs> no i love that i love that it's fun yeah so so to give you the chronology so i was a stripper in detroit from like the ages of 19 to 22 ish uh, then I left Detroit to go on my my spiritual journey, and I became a monk at the age of 24. Is when I took vows and 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 wore only white and committed my life to realizing God. That was my that wow. was my life plan at the age of 24. Yeah. People were other people were in grad school, and I was becoming a monk and meditating in the mountain. Um, and so um, I was still part of this tradition and still in my white and still being a monk when I moved to to Kauai. And I was living there and working there. Um, and I encountered, uh, so when I encountered my mentor, he was a natural health practitioner. And he was working with, with me with some health issues. And that was actually how I got introduced to the Tibetan Five Element Healing System is that he used it in his work. And he started introducing me to these non-sexual elemental meditation practices and then he did a non-sexual energy body yoga practice with me that we call running the elements. It's a very inglorious name, but it's it, it's what we're doing. And from that, with that session, I, like during that session, I experienced more bliss in my body and mind than I had ever experienced in my entire life. It felt like being on MDMA. And oh, I yeah. was a little raver in Detroit when I was a stripper. So I took copious amounts of MDMA. 
I am not a stranger to MDMA. That's magic. That's the most important chemical we've ever synthesized in a lab. <laughs> yeah. So I was doing this non-sexual elemental energy body yoga practice and and felt like I had taken, you know, uh, at least one or more hits of ecstasy. And then uh, for the rest of the night, I felt that way too. So it wasn't just in the session. It was like for the rest and into the next day, I was like, and I had been searching for this. This is why I became a monk. I was like, I want to meditate my way into ecstasy, right? It's like wow. I'd experienced the pill <laughs> that I wanted to have it naturally going yeah. through my awareness, you know, yeah. through, streaming through my body in every moment. And so I found that with this practice, this was ecstasy for me. And when I learned, and this was non-sexual, and then my mentor was like, but you can do this sexually too. I was like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> and thus began my training. Thus began my journey. That's amazing. And, and I'm, I'm guessing that since that time at age 33 is when you said you found Tantra, right? So from 33 on, what have you noticed in your own personal experience through the practice that you're now teaching others? What has changed for you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Oh, God. I, I mean, it, it's hard to quantify and to put into words because I yeah, literally sure. become a different person. So when I started this, when I started my training and I started my practice, where I was at the time was I was very um, disassociated from my body. So I, 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 I felt like I was floating above my head uh, most of the time and looking down. So like mm. when I'd be interacting, like say you and I were interacting, I'd be floating above here, floating above my head. I was, um, I was completely enthralled with my own trauma. I was, I was, I was, I mean, I was cleaning houses for a living, which was great. I started my own business, but, but I did not have the capacity for it to grow beyond that. I mean, my self-worth was in the toilet. Like I, 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 I'm just, I'm literally not the same person. It's hard to describe. My llama yeah. sees it because he knew me back then. And like, like, he's like, whoa, this shit really works. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh my God, the stuff I've been telling people actually works. Holy smokes. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you know, literally night and day. But, but I could not, I, I couldn't make eye contact with people when talking with them. I was just, I was just like, like if I had to do a physical motion, you, you know, you listen to me may not be able to see me, but I'll do it for you, Nathan. It was like this. I lived in the shell. I was a shell of a human mm. because I had all of this unprocessed, unresolved and unrecognized trauma operating mm. in my body, mind, my nervous system. Like yeah. I come from a deep history of trauma. I was sexually traumatized, molested at a very young age. I grew up in a home of domestic violence. When I was 13, my father almost killed me. Ugh. I mean, it was it was not a pretty picture. And I spent most of my life as a result of that as a trauma survivor, you know, with suicidal suicide attempts, depression, uh, mental, emotional health issues like I was I was a I was a wreck and I thought I was crazy my whole life. I just thought I was fucked up and crazy. I did not understand that I was traumatized because we didn't understand yeah. that, you know, back in 1980, whatever, back in the day, we didn't have the, the, the culture wasn't as fluent and literate around trauma as it is today. So I just thought I was dysfunctional and I spent mm. my whole life up into the age of, you know, 30, 33 uh, believing that. And even when I was a monk, the reason I was a monk was to disassociate from society because I couldn't function in it. Mm. I did not know how to live mm. in this world and function. It was overwhelming. I dropped yeah. out of college. I could not, I could not deal with life. I could not adult. And so I figured I'd be a monk and live in the mountains and meditate my whole life. Yeah. Like, that was my life plan, right? 
Yeah. So with Tantra, I began to confront, process, and heal all of this underlying trauma. Like all of it. Like literally rewiring my brain. And we know from somatic science now that absolutely meditation, movement, somatic healing literally rewires the traumatized brain. That's literally what it does. And I am a living example of that. Yeah. I am a living example of the efficacy of this specific style of tantra yoga practice wedded with sexuality. Because without the sexuality, it, the healing would have only gone so deep. So it's sure. literally healing my vagina, quite literally. <laughs> all the trauma it carried that wow. healed my brain, that allowed my brain to heal to the, to the degree that it has. So who you see here today is a result of the practice, and it is not the same person that started this journey 13 years ago. I'm I don't seeing, even look the same. <laughs> well, <laughs> your hair used to not be as perfect. You used to have, it was exactly. pink and straight and <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's in, in other words, in other words, like the person you embody today, it was sort of like it sprung out of the well anew, you know, this total rebirth. One thing I want to emphasize about your journey is that a lot of people, and it's never fair to compare trauma, but everybody carries some degree of trauma. And a lot of people, even for what some people might consider minor trauma, right? Again, we, the comparison is not relevant, but you obviously had what a lot of people I think would consider some pretty major traumas, especially in your, in your early developmental stages. But even for people who don't have that really traumatic history, perhaps, but for them, they've been sitting with this trauma. They haven't released this trauma. It becomes a part of your story and it requires, yeah. a, a, it requires somebody to really stand in their freedom, to know themselves and to make the decision that I'm not going to tell this story anymore. I want to be rebirthed anew like Debbie Ward Erickson. Yeah. And so they find your program and that's sort of the, the point, right? Like mm -hmm. it's, we're going to bring on a new version of you. And we're going to do it deliberately, we're going to do it slowly, and we're going to do it carefully. And then one day you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I, that that was my old story. I just have this yeah. brand new me. So it's not a silver bullet switch that you turn on and off. It is a practice through which, I mean, you said you, I wrote down the notes here, you said you did 20 hours of training for six months just to probably initiate into this experience. Yeah. Exactly. And, and there's a, but there was a decision there for you. Like I can either be this person and live with this story, or we can evolve that story and use that story as a guidepost in the past. But then you look forward and you're like, whoa, look at what came out of all of this. I mean, that's powerful. That's powerful medicine. It's, it absolutely is. And what you're saying is so accurate. And I was, I was strongly motivated by my own suffering. I was in pain. I was in agony. My 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 brain, my the way I thought viewed myself in the world, it, it was it was suffering. So when I was offered this glimpse of bliss and told like you can have more of this, I was like, I'm in. Sign me up. <laughs> I will do whatever I need to do <laughs> to get this. Right. And I and I love that you brought it back to my students because that is that's exactly what we see. Like yeah. this is replicable. I'm not special. I mean, I am, but, I, but I'm not, you know, I'm not unique in that <laughs> sure, it is the sure. method that is the magic. Yeah. And so this is replicable. And this is what we see in our students who, who resonate with this, who are drawn to this and begin practicing it. So for, I'll give you an example. So we launched a membership program um, and we're, we're teaching the five element meditations, the introductory level of the five element meditations. You can join anytime. Um, and just at this basic intro level, 
people's lives are transforming. The feedback mm. we're getting, the sensation that's awakening in their body, the orgasms they're having. Just And these are non-sexual practices. This is just meditation. <laughs> and all of these areas of their life are starting to awaken and blossom. And we're only at week three or four, right? So. Wow. This this is the power of lineage-based tantra. That's why it's so potent. That's why we make that distinction. That's why I called it authentic. Yeah. Because there's a difference between the potency in neo-tantra, which can be medicine, and lineage-based tantra, which has been transmitted through the millennia from an enlightened being to an enlightened being to an enlightened being to an enlightened being to my lama and my lama giving me permission and blessing to bring it to you. Mm. That is potency. That is power. So I'm not just drawing upon my practice. I get to tap into all of their practice. Yeah. And that comes through me as a transmission. And the important distinction here that I want people to, to make, because I, I think I'm making it for myself right now, is that when we look for medicine, right? I'm using the general term medicine, you know, biohacking, whatever else. It's something outside that I can apply to this in order to make this better. But this is completely you working from the inside out. Exactly. And that is because the core belief of Tantra is that we already are Buddhas right, or enlightened right, or right. whatever it is. We already are that. We, we just have obscurations in the way. Yeah. So we don't have to become something new. We need to remember who we are from the inside out. Mm. That's beautiful. Some of these other spiritual practices. Oh, and one other thing I wanted to mention is the reason that I think MDMA, for example, and psychedelics have taken the scene is because people who have had years of struggle with depression, especially PTSD, they've lived in this overcast snow globe for so long that they even forget that there's sunshine on the other side. And so when you were describing that, I was thinking, ah, this is why when a person gets a single experience, you know, from the medical literature standpoint, let's say in, the, in, a, in a cozy room where somebody's there with you, they give you a hefty dose, 150 milligrams, something like that, then they put some blinders on and some nice music and you have this breakthrough and then there's some talk therapy afterwards. There's, they're finding that that experience, maybe even one experience like that, is enough for the person to see the, the sun again through the clouds for even a brief moment and then remembering, oh shit, I don't have to stay in this snow globe. And then the real work begins. But it, it's that glimmer that you got at one point that told you, ah, there's something out there. See, I love that you brought that up because I, you know, and it cracks me up because now, you know, now I'm 47 and it's like two, you know, 20, 30 years later, but we, we were, this is what we were doing at age 19 at the raves and taking the ecstasy. It was like, and the, you know, candy flipping with the LSD. It was like, yeah. I, we were so overwhelmed yeah. by trauma that we needed this in these intense experiences to break through. And we got glimpses of our yeah. potential. We got glimpses of bliss. We got glimpses of, of freedom from our own own minds like right, i just remember this you right. know my little my little tribe my little peers that we played with i mean we were so overwhelmed by trauma we were mm. so dysfunctional in our everyday lives but we would get these glimpses and that is what catalyzed us to pursue our spiritual path that's yeah. why i left detroit I, and became a monk i was like i want to know how to have this experience of bliss without being dependent upon mdma because when you come down Bingo. from it it's pretty fucking shitty <laughs> drops your heart right on your ass yeah <laughs> that is 
the come downs are not fun. So I wanted to figure out how to exist in bliss. And that's what yeah. set me off on my path. But and I love that now, you know, again, the Western model is taking this seriously, because that's exactly correct. That was exactly my experience being overwhelmed with complex post traumatic stress disorder, and then having this glimpse of possibility and hope is what catalyzed my desire to to heal catalyzed my desire to heal. Yeah. Man, yeah, I mean it's really a matter of, you know, you get the glimpse, you got to take you have to take a step. Like now it's on you to own your story and to make the decision acting through your own sovereignty in your own spiritual energetic being to own what you've got and then to make the conscious step forward. You can stay back here. We're not going to force you. Me and Debbie are going to like let you go. Like you can be there. But when you're ready to make that step, there there is this opportunity there for you. Yeah. When people have that experience, and then they're, they're, maybe they're listening to this podcast right now, and they're hearing, wow, this sounds really great. I'm guessing a lot of people are pretty intimidated by it, and they actually generate some fear for people. Mm-hmm. And I would conjecture that they're, perhaps this old story is serving them still. But what has your experience been when you, when you produce, you know, when you give a, a, you know, a talk to a room of people or whatever, and somebody is just kind of like, ah, fuck this, fuck you. Like, wh- why, why are they having that reaction? Because this is lineage-based Tantra, it's not appropriate for everybody. Not everybody has this propensity. Not everybody, this may not be the right lineage. This may not be the right path for you. There's 84,000 different paths to personal self-realization or, you know, to enlightenment is what they say, or human realization. This may not be your path. So, so again, because this is lineage-based Tantra, always wired in there, I'm, I'm aware of karma. Karma from past, karma from future, future karma that's being created right now in this moment. And so, so one of the instructions from my Lama, which came from his Lama, is that for if people are attracted to these practices, it's because they've done them in previous lifetimes. They yeah. have a natural propensity. And it's not appropriate for everybody. So if people don't have an attraction or the, you know, they start doing the practices and they don't resonate, it's because it's not the right medicine for you. And that's okay. Like, no harm, no foul. I, you know, go find your medicine. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, what I'm trying to get at is whenever people come to me and I'm like, hey, we can heal your endometriosis, it's going to probably take about three months, but we're going to start by let's just take less gluten, less soda, less whatever. I mean, I'm using a strange example here, yeah. but this is exactly my practice. Mm-hmm. And with lifestyle change, eventually their endometriosis is going to go away, but they're confronted by the fact that they are going to have to change themselves. There's no magic external medicine that's going to fix this problem. This is on you. And a lot of people are like, ah, screw this, screw you, whatever. I mean, they don't speak that harshly to me. I mean, I'm pretty sweet, but but when they kind of ghost me, I'm like, ah, you weren't ready for this. And that's okay because change is very scary. I think that's what I was kind of getting into. Yeah, yeah. So thank thank you for clarifying that. So sure. yeah, so so there there are numerous uh experiences that I've had, luckily not tons and tons, but but several experiences I've had where it's like, you know, f- folks come and they really want to heal, but when they find out that it's up to them. Right. And it's like, no, you have to practice. I right. you can sit here and listen to me all day and you're going to get a little bit of like, you know, intellectual stimulation, a little bit of juice, but I can't heal you. I'm a right. healer, but my job is to transmit healing methods to you so that you become your own healer, so that you become sovereign. And I'm here to support you and guide you along the way, but you have to do the work. And I, particularly when it comes to couples, I found they're like, oh, <laughs> we actually have to practice. I'm like, yes, you have to practice. You're you have, do this you for have me. to practice. And, and if you don't practice, you're not going to get the result. 
So that is something that we absolutely do run into. The, the lamas have a have a saying like the, the Tibetan lamas is, you, you doesn't do it, it doesn't happen, is what they say in their broken English, which means you have to do your practice or you don't get the results. And again, this lineage that of Tantra that I am trained in is called the practice lineage. So the emphasis is on, on the practice, the scriptures and the text and the intellectual philosophy, you know, like whatever, that's fine. You can do it in your free time. But what the essence of this, of this modality, the essence of this lineage is doing the yoga is the right. actual practice of the methods because that's what brings results. Mm. That's what catalyzes the healing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, and if, and if you're not ready for this journey, then you know where to find me, that kind of thing. That's what I always say. And exactly. that's fine. Can't pull exactly. you in. I'm not here to convince you. It's just like, here's what you have available to you when you're ready to start to relinquish a little bit of that old story. And I think that these stories relate to our physical health our emotional well-being, our how we speak to our kids, to our, our partners or whatever else in the bedroom. I mean, this manifests in so many different ways. So whenever that pain teacher keeps knocking and you're ready to answer the door, then there are options out there like Debbie Ward. I think, you know, in these stories, my understanding is that they're deeply wedded to our traumas, Mm. right? Oh, yeah. You know, speaking, you know, circling back to what you were sharing earlier, it's like, yes, there's severe traumas, but dude, y'all living in this society, like the whole whole Western, just the way, you know, women give birth in this society is freaking traumatic for the baby and the mother. So just your birth process. Is traumatic. Then yeah. you fucking dudes get circumcised. I mean, Jesus, like it's like <laughs> <laughs> you can't win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like everything as a doctor I was doing as an OBGYN. I was like trauma, 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 trauma. Until I finally was like, okay, no more hurting people. Like through my my lens of helping them. Like we have to get past this. But you're right. Every facet of society is leading to these little traumas along the way until it just yeah. blows up. It manifests as depression or anxiety or a lack of inability to sleep, inability to orgasm, inability to connect to people. It's And these stories, which are ways that we've coped with our traumas, developing self-defeating stories about ourselves. Oh, I'm not good enough or or I'm I'm better than, right? These Mm. are all ways that we've coped with these micro traumas of not having our needs for love and connection and support and and protection and safety met, you know, in our early childhood years. So we develop these stories about ourselves that become our identity. And so of course we defend and and protect them because that's who we are. Right. It's it's again what I've seen is when the story the, the suffering that the story causes becomes so overwhelming that, that it's literally do or die. We, we have to do something different in order to be able to, to survive and much less thrive in, in this world. Yeah. Like the pain of change is less than the pain of the stimulus. Amen. I, I feel like I've heard you. that somewhere exactly. before. <laughs> That's exactly correct, Nathan. That's exactly correct. Have you been using these? You mentioned in one of the videos you had online about pelvic floor dysfunction in women, and that can lead to issues within within actual intimacy, you know, sexual intercourse and whatnot. But it also relates to birth. It relates to the postpartum period. It relates to perhaps an inability to release some trauma, which we know often collects in our pelvis around that second first chakra within the uh, you know within the, the chakra system. How does have you seen tantra work for women who have any sort of sexual dysfunction or pelvic floor dysfunction, et cetera. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Getting into the so nitty gritty I, here. <laughs> I like to, to present that I'm not a pelvic floor health specialist, so so I just put that out there. And so mo- so uh, the work that we do works works for uh, people who have fairly healthy pelvic floors. Not, not if you have a pelvic floor dysfunction, then I'm going to say you know work yeah, with a pelvic floor therapist and and get their get their consent about the extra the practices that, I, that I'm giving you. But what I've seen in terms of like just on a general, um, you know, theme or, or for people who have trauma may not have a pelvic floor dysfunction, but maybe are anorgasmic or have experienced a lot of sexual trauma. There, there's, there's, uh, um, uh, we, we work with, we, we, we work with it holistically from a variety of different angles. So we work with what we call the four pillars, which are meditation, movement, connection, and pleasure. And so there are movement practices that we have both, you know, men and women do, lingam owners and yoni owners do, that work to both strengthen, tone, and heal the pelvic floor and cultivate strength. And those are uh, pelvic floor exercises. Uh, We call it yoni yoga or pelvic Mm. floor exercises. Uh, And then the five core pelvic movements. So working with the the pelvis and these with movement and breath to help open, create more fluidity, release stagnation, and enrich, experience joy and pleasure. So that, those are some movement practices. And then we also teach genital massage. We, we teach, you know, it, technically it's called, uh, or not technically, but most people understand it as somatic sexual healing. I'm not trained in the TM, somatic sexual healing. I'm trained in tantric healing. But uh-huh. having worked with people who have done both, it's, it's pretty much the same method. And so it's working with touch and breath and movement and awareness to support the nervous system and the body in releasing trauma. And so it through pleasure with pleasure. And so we teach that for, for the genitals, this healing, restorative genital massage to cultivate healing through pleasure. We teach meditation practices to work with the energy body to begin healing and repairing the sexual reproductive area. And we work with connection, connecting to the body, connecting to the heart, connecting mm. to those, some of those underlying stories and being able to translate that and transform them. So we, we approach it from a variety of different angles, from a holistic perspective. Yeah, 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 truly holistic. We're not just saying natural herbs and all that. We're, we're talking about the entire whole being, yeah. um, which is often neglected, you know? Yes. I have a lot of women who benefit from uh, yoni steaming, pelvic steaming. Yeah. That's a part of it. But oftentimes they need some additional effort. And that's when I get working on their second, first and second chakras and And a lot of it is very confronting. You know, this is not stuff that seems to be helpful. It just seems sort of silly to some people. Just because you can't measure it doesn't mean it's not important. And oftentimes the metric is the actual experience of the person doing it. And that's, again, it's on them. It's on you to really embrace this, to really stand in in, and ask yourself, who am I and what is my purpose? And to allow the, the work to just... You just row the boat and don't look at where it's going. You row the boat, you do the practice, and you slowly start to notice subtle changes. It's not the magic pill or surgery or whatever else that, that people are, are going for, you know, towards for these things. And, and again, I, I know you, you reiterated that you're not a pelvic floor physiotherapist or anything like that, but there's a lot that can happen while you're doing those other modalities, working with the subtle bodies, uh, these subtle, subtle energetic bodies that could actually help to kind of glue this whole sort of therapy together. 
absolutely. Again, we're, we're holistic beings. And I love what you were pointing to there is, is that you, we quantify the efficacy of the method by the results that we get. Right. It's not about, that's why I tell people about meditation. It's like you could have rainbow light experiences or, or experience nothing or, or have a shitty meditation. That's irrelevant, quite frankly. What we're looking for is how is it transforming your everyday life? Right. Because if your spiritual yoga practice is not making your everyday life better, it's not making you a more kind and compassionate human being. It's not creating transformation and, and like just a better life experience. Then what is the point? Yeah. Our, yeah. our practice should be making our life better. Yeah. And that is how we measure the efficacy of the practice is, is what is changing? Is life getting better? Am I getting better? Am I feeling more healthy, more whole, more healed as a human being? Then I know yeah. my practice is effective. Yeah. And so if <laughs> I can't imagine anybody being confronted by the idea of pleasure as medicine, but I think that that's very beautiful. If they were confronted by that, what I always tell people is, you know, there's a lot of things we do in our life that are not really contributing to a more enriched experience. What do you have to lose by relinquishing control over only the pills and surgery and blah, 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 birth control, all this other stuff, and actually starting to get to know yourself a little bit better? That right there is scary. It is scary. Yeah. 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 But, but that's I, the thing. It's an important question. Yeah. Yeah. But for those of us, I mean, for me coming from a history of trauma, getting to know myself, I was broken. Mm. I was terrified of getting to know myself because I, I believed I was a worthless slug. I didn't, I mean, I was afraid that I would discover that I, that I was as broken and malformed as I believed myself to be. Yeah. Which goes back to what we were saying. You know, you have to be ready for this. We can't convince people that this is for them. And when they're ready, there's an option out there to, to yeah. work with you. And, um, we're coming up, uh, close to an hour here. Um, how can people find your work, Debbie? Uh, I know you've got a book and you've got a great website. Tell people what you want them to know. Yeah. So, uh, so my main website is authentictantra.com. And if you are interested in learning more about what I've been sharing, we have a free video series there, a uh, free video introduction to Authentic Tantra, where I share about this modality and the five elements and how they work to heal. And then I give you a, a five-step sacred sexual healing session practice uh, that you can begin implementing in your life. Um, and then if you want to take the next step and begin learning some of these, uh, the non-sexual application of the five element teachings, we have a membership program. Uh, you can join for just $20 a month. You can cancel any time. So you can uh, join for the $20 and get a taste of it and see if it resonates with you. And if not, you can cancel. And if it does, you can stay a member and you can continue learning with us. Um, so those are some really beautiful, accessible offers for you. Um, coming up in the fall, I will be opening my personal coaching again. Uh, I have been focusing mostly on our school. We have the first and only government accredited school for tantric sexual healing in the world. Um, and so I've what? been placing a lot of emphasis. Yeah, yeah. We And so we're working, we are currently certified by the Canadian government as, as, as a um, qualified vocational training institute. Uh, they've reviewed all of our curriculum and have given it the stamp of approval. And every wow. year we have to recertify with Congrats. that. And we're currently in the process of, of up-leveling uh, or increasing our certification with them to become what's called designated, uh, which would make our students eligible to receive government-funded student loans to go through our training programs. Real yeah. deal. You're really yeah. doing it. Yeah. I can't so wait like to go the through Canadian this. government is going to pay for people to learn how to become sexual healers. That's and, what I'm talking about. And men and women are welcome yeah, in your program, absolutely. right? Okay. Well, I'm going to sign up whenever I, whenever I finish my own courses, I'm going to start taking your coursework 
and just <laughs> I'll do like a real live, like a real time IG live or something. Like, here's what I'm, here's what's happening, guys. Debbie Ward's <laughs> shit really works. That's awesome. So it's uh, your website is. Yeah, authenticjuncture.com. And then I'm gotcha. going to be opening up my, in this fall, if you want to work with me one-on-one as a coach, not for certification, but just as your gotcha. own personal healing and transformation, uh, davywardtantra.com. You can get on my wait list for my personal coaching program that I'm going to be launching in the fall. I just realized I said your name wrong in the beginning. Davy, not Devi. It's a common mistake. <laughs> and, and you know, when I received, so I wasn't born Davy. I was, that was my monk name. So I received that when I was a monk and I too pronounced it Devi. And so, but I was schooled that it's actually, it's a Sanskrit name. And so the E is pronounced as an A. Oh, that makes so a lot of sense. Devi is, is yeah. actually how it's pronounced. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. I, w- I mean, we're going to have to do a follow-up at some point because there's so much more, I think that people can learn from this and, and I, you're welcome back anytime. It's a, it's a real pleasure to meet you. Yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure. I've enjoyed this immensely. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Well, we were in the very intro. I was saying, if you're curious about how to become a better health coach or fitness professional, go to Fit for Birth. Get fitforbirth.com, right? I feel like if you're curious about Anything related to Tantra, Davy Ward Erickson is the real deal. She's done her homework. She's done her training. Go to the Institute of Authentic Tantra Education. That's AuthenticTantra.com. And you can get certified in doing this work. I mean, I, I could talk to, to Davy for hours. I'm sure you feel the same way. She's incredible. And she brings such fire and charisma. That's why it was so much fun to have her on the show. So um, you can find her there. She also has a book called The Four Forms of Pleasure. And um, her Instagram, I'm finding it here for you real quick, is Authentic Tantra. That's her handle on Instagram. So she's got plenty of resources. You guys got to know about this woman. She is remarkable. So support Davey. Support Get Fit for Birth. Go to getfitforbirth.com forward slash beloved. You'll save 20% on coaching, whether you're a woman seeking coaching that's going to be specific to your needs, whether you're pregnant, postpartum, whatever. And um, if you're a health coach, life coach, check practitioner, healthcare professional, whatever, you can shore up your understanding of how to coach, educate uh, on exercise, nutrition, any other lifestyle factor through uh, James Goodlatte's getfitforbirth.com program. And uh, go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved, and you'll see all the, the programs there, and you can save 20% by using using that link. Oh, and then, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot about Fullwell. Fullwell, I, I didn't read your, your ad at the end here. Fullwell, uh, Ayla Barmer's program at fullwellfertility.com. Use code beloved10 to save 10% on the best prenatal vitamin on the market. It's formulated by, and the manufacturing process is overseen by healthcare professionals, which is why this prenatal vitamin, it's being ranked in the top, top category and uh, the, the top of the list. And by so many, by so many different outlets, including um, a variety of publications, very well, family, healthline, prevention, um, and, and others. So it's because this, because Ayla has put her time in to create this and she is a healthcare professional. She is a mom. She's gone through pregnancy and she knows what is needed in order to, uh, to support, um, a growing baby and a mom who's growing that baby. So go to fullwellfertility.com, use code beloved 10, you'll save 10% on the best prenatals on the market and some other products that they have. Go check it out on their website. You can find me, Nathan Riley. I'm the holistic of at belovedholistics.com. I do one-on-ones. I have a collaborator program. If you want to have an MD on your team and you're a midwife, you're a doctor, you're a check practitioner, whatever else, 
you want to hire me as a uh, collaborator to have me in your back pocket for anything under the sun. And the fee is very reasonable, guys. Really reasonable. So you can go there, belovedholistics.com and find that. I've got a weekly newsletter, short little video, cute email from me comes every week to your inbox and it's awesome. I, if I do say so myself. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about new products. I'll give some discount codes, some special features in there. And I have a, a, a new ebook that you get whenever you sign up for the newsletter. It's uh, five guiding principles to empowered birthing and healing on your own, or empowered healing and birthing on your own terms. So go and get that at belovedholistics.com. Remember, nothing we said on the show is medical advice. It's all educational, informational, at, at, at its best. If you, if you have real medical concerns, go to your doctor. You know, this is a podcast. But you can also reach out to me, and I will um, happy to be chatting with you privately as a uh, physician-patient relationship. That's all for today, guys. Thanks for tuning into the Holistic OBGYN podcast. As always, leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you can. It really, really helps other people find the show. So thank you, and I will see you next time here on the show. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto.